Well, the Gonzaga Bulldogs responded incredibly well after getting smacked by Texas on Wednesday. They drowned John Calipari and the Kentucky Wildcats in a frenzied Spokane Arena on Sunday afternoon, proving the demise of the Bulldogs was greatly, greatly exaggerated. You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. What is going on, y'all? Welcome to the Locked On Zags podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host and longtime Gonzaga podcaster, Andy Patton, here to give you daily reports through another season of Gonzaga basketball. And oh boy, oh boy, what a fun day it is to get to podcast about the Gonzaga basketball team after they took it to John Calipari and the Kentucky Wildcats didn't matter that the game was at the Spokane Arena a few miles away from Gonzaga's campus. Just didn't matter. Didn't matter. The Zags jumped out to an early lead and just never relinquished it. They gave a few spots where Kentucky started to crawl back and get some momentum. But every time that happened, it seems like one of Drew Timmy or one of Julian Strother or Anton Watson, one of those guys came down and closed the door. Eventually, Kentucky just couldn't get any closer. Zags roll to an 88-72 victory. What a huge game for Gonzaga. We knew one of these two teams was going to end up losing two games this week. It's very rare for top five teams to end up in a position where they might end up losing two games in the same week. We almost saw three. Another team potentially did it. Baylor barely escaped beating UCLA after losing to Virginia. It's been a wild, wild week in college basketball for the Zags to bounce back after one of the toughest losses. We have seen Gonzaga and Deer in a very, very long time. They don't get blown out very often. Make no mistake, they got absolutely gobsmacked by Texas on Wednesday. Texas exposed a bunch of Gonzaga's flaws. And to be clear, we're going to talk about some of them here. Many of Gonzaga's issues are still there. Some of what happened in this game was Kentucky and John Calipari inexplicably not trying to take advantage of some of Gonzaga's weaknesses, which is strange and something that they're going to have to work on on their own. But for Gonzaga, a lot of it was them just responding well. You see a lot of teams when their back gets up against the wall, when they find themselves in a situation where a situation they're unfamiliar with. Gonzaga was 92 and eight since Drew Timmy started on campus, 92 and eight after they lost in that Texas game. They're not used to dealing with losses very often and losses like that do not happen very often for them to respond, not only respond well from that, but respond well from that against a team like Kentucky, a team with high level athletes, which future NBA players with the potential national player of the year candidate on the team, a team that's well coached by John Calipari, that's coming out with some momentum, some enthusiasm, really wanting to win that game. There was a lot of things that pointed to a potentially disastrous game for the Zags. And not only did they not do that, they flipped it entirely on its head and put Kentucky in the spot where people are wondering, This team has now lost to Michigan State and Gonzaga. Yes, those are good teams, but they're now a two-loss team heading into Feast Week. Not a lot of teams in the top five have lost two games before Thanksgiving. That is pretty rare, and Gonzaga absolutely handed it to Kentucky in this one. What an incredibly fun game. Uh, We have to start start by talking about Julian Strother. 20 points, 14 rebounds for him. He was a rebound away from having a double-double in the first half of this contest. He finished the game with 13 defensive rebounds 
One of the biggest things that Gonzaga successfully did in this game was eliminate Kentucky's ability to get second chance points. This is a huge part of what they do. Kentucky has a lot of athletes. They have a lot of talented scorers. They have also a lot of guys who, who take a lot of shots and miss a lot of shots. And one of the things that hurt them in this game was they just didn't get those second chance opportunities. Shibway, one of the best rebounders I've ever seen. He's just a, a phenomenal nose for the basketball. He got really, really subdued in this game. Part of it was foul trouble. Part of it was really, really effective play from, from Julian Strother, from Drew Timmy, from Anton Watson, and really kind of limiting his ability to get those second chance opportunities. At that point for Kentucky, they're coming down the court, they're missing their first shot, and they're not getting an opportunity to score again. That was a really, really big part of this game, and Strother's ability to crash the glass, be physical, be intentional about getting the ball was critical. It didn't help, didn't hurt that he went three or four from deep and seven for seven from the free throw line as well. 20 and 14 for Julian, a guy who after last game, people were starting to wonder like, hey, we'd been hearing all offseason that this guy's a potential first-round pick or an NBA-type guy. He hadn't looked like that early in the year. Guess what he did on Sunday? He looked like that guy on Sunday to go out there and go toe-to-toe with some of the talent that is on Kentucky's roster and look like the best or one of the best players on the basketball floor. Really, really significant development for Strother, for his confidence, and frankly, for the Zags in general. And you guys bet you know it's been this long already. And it's surprising that it took me this long. But yeah, we're going to talk about Anton Watson because Anton Watson had the best game that he has ever had in a Gonzaga uniform. So much of the conversation around Anton Watson has been his relative lack of contribution offensively in terms of points, which is the easiest thing to see on a box score uh, or when watching the game and to note like whether a player is good or bad is how many points they have. Watson impacts the game in far different ways than just the points per game. And I've been kind of championing that for a long time, that his impact is often felt in ways that aren't evident on the box score, his defensive intensity, his ability to knock the ball loose from players, uh, get get after uh, 50-50 balls and, and balls like that. Uh, and in this game, he did all of that and more. All of that and more. He finished the game with 10 points, 10 rebounds, 5 of 8 shooting. He also had a pair of assists, a pair of steals, and a block. But more importantly, Anton Watson made the National Player of the Year, the best player in college basketball, according to the media folks last year. He made him look silly at many times this year. Anton Watson looked like the better basketball player on both ends of the floor. That is a remarkable sentence and a sentence that even as the biggest Anton Watson supporter, I'm not sure I would have told you confidently I thought that I would be saying here on the 20th of November, shortly after Gonzaga's victory. But Anton Watson was phenomenal. He's got really, really strong and active hands defensively. Every time Shibway got the ball and Watson was guarding him, Watson was able to poke the ball away, make it really difficult for Oscar to finish around the rim. Not a lot of players in the NCAA make it look difficult for Oscar Shibway to finish around the rim. Very few players make his job difficult around the rim, and Anton Watson did that in this game. He also had two really excellent crowd-changing dunks. He had the, the dunk where he got the handoff, turned to the basket, realized Shibwe had left him, took two dribbles and packed the house down. He also had a tip dunk later in the game on a phenomenal pass from Drew Timmy to Hunter Salas. Salas missed the reverse lay and Watson tip dunked it in. Just a remarkable performance from Anton. It's so critical how it's so 
apparent to me how critical he is to this team's success on both ends of the floor. And we clearly saw that in this game against Kentucky. The Zags were also very efficient. That was not really an issue for them in the Texas game, but it was nice to see that continue into this game against the Cats. They were 7 of 19 from deep, which is just under 37%. It is worth pointing out that all seven of those makes came from Julian Strother and Rasir Bolton. They combined to go 7 for 12. The rest of the team went 0 for 7 from deep. So when we're looking at some of the flaws on this team, the lack of a third outside shooter, and we'll talk about that a little bit more in the second segment and kind of who who needs to step up into those roles, it's definitely going to be an issue. But if Bolton and Strother are knocking down seven threes by themselves, the Zags are probably going to be fine. It also is never going to hurt if they're going to shoot 19 of 21 from the free throw line, which was a huge part of Gonzaga's victory in this game. All right, well, we're going to come back in the second segment. we got so much more to talk about with this game. We're going to look at my five key takeaways from last week and what ended up happening with those. And yes, we are going to talk about the turnovers. We are going to talk about the transfers who haven't really stepped up for this team just yet. But before we do that, I want to tell you all about Simply Safe. Did you know that over the holidays, property crimes like burglaries and package thefts spike nationally? That's why our friends at Simply Safe Home Security are offering 50% off their award-winning security system so that more families can feel safe and secure this holiday season. Order your Simply Safe system for half off today and enjoy advanced security and greater peace of mind this holiday season. Simply Safe was recently named the best home security system of 2022 by US News and World Report. That's the third year in a row. In an emergency, 24-7 professional monitoring agents use Fast Protect technology exclusively from Simply Safe to capture critical evidence and verify the threat is real so you can get priority police response. With the top-rated Simply Safe app, stay in complete control of your system anytime, anywhere. Arm or disarm, unlock for a guest, access your cameras, or adjust system settings. Don't miss your chance to save big on the only security system that I recommend. Get 50% off any new Simply Safe system at simplysafe.com slash locked on college today. This is their biggest discount of the year, so don't wait. Simplysafe.com slash locked on college. There's no safe like Simply Safe. All right, segment two. I want to thank all of you for making Locked On Zags your first listen of the day. Hopefully, you all were excited to check out the show today, coming off the big win. Uh, for your second listen today, check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast. From the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports, go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights that only Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports Today, available on this app, YouTube, and wherever you get podcasts. All right, still talking Zags, Cats the first of a six-game series between the Gonzaga Bulldogs and the Kentucky Wildcats goes to the Zags, 88-72 over the Wildcats on Sunday afternoon at the Spokane Arena. We had five key takeaways, or excuse me, five key points heading into this game. They were laid out on Friday's episode. We're going to talk about those here and kind of what went well and what didn't go well for the Zags in this contest. The first concern coming into the game was who the heck is going to guard Severe Wheeler at the time. It was unclear if Nolan Hickman was going to play, and Gonzaga has and remains having issues keeping high-level guards in front of them. And without a lot of room protection on this roster, namely without a player like Chet Holmgren, because there's not a lot of players like Chet Holmgren, not having a guy like that has created a situation where if guards can get past Gonzaga's guards and get into the second level, uh, they have a much easier chance of scoring severe wheeler the kind of player who can really make you pay but he just he just didn't have a good game two for six from the field one of four from deep he just 
He wasn't really a focal point on offense. This kind of goes back to what I was touching on a little bit in the first segment. I don't think John Calipari coached a very good game. Some of the decisions that Kentucky made seem to be the exact, seem to feed into Gonzaga's strength as opposed to targeting Gonzaga's weaknesses. I don't understand that. I still don't. Even now after the game, I don't really get why they didn't try to attack really heavily at Gonzaga's big men, why they kind of went with a lot of mid-post options when those clearly weren't working. I get trying to get the ball to Oscar Shibway, but he wasn't working. Anton Watson had shut him down. Drew Timmy was doing effective on him defensively. The, their, their offense wasn't working. Severe Wheeler not doing much to try to get to the rim and, and create a problem for Gonzaga was more of a coaching issue than anything else, but it was fortunate that it didn't end up being something that hurt the Zags in this one. Number two is, of course, the big matchup, Timmy versus Shibway. We're going to talk about that here. Drew Timmy, we talked about Strother. We talked about Watson. They obviously had monster games for the Zags. But at the end of the day, when Gonzaga wins a basketball game and they've won 93 of them since this guy started, it's usually because of Drew Timmy. That was the case here again. 22.7 boards, 9 of 13 from the field. Just a remarkably efficient night from Drew Timmy. He, he possesses an incredible ability to either get an open look or get fouled. He's really good at doing one of those two things. Yes, he does have some turnover issues where he spins into traffic or dribbles the ball off his foot. And when you give big men the basketball a lot, that's going to happen. That's just going to be, it's a necessary evil. A team that has a lot of possessions go through a big man who doesn't dribble all all that much, you're going to have more turnovers. I'm going to take that quite happily if Timmy's going to give you 22 and seven every single night. He also Helps pick up a bunch of fouls on Oscar Shibway. Shibway had to sit for large swaths of the second half. That was a huge factor for Gonzaga down the stretch. Now, Shibway had himself a really nice game because he's a really good player. 20 points, 15 rebounds, 7 of 12 from the field. So you look at the box score, it's not going to look like Oscar Shibway had himself that bad of a night. But he 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 had to labor. He had to labor for every single one of those buckets. And Anton Watson stripping the ball from him multiple times. He got him on a block shot, uh, stripped the ball from him a few times. Drew Timmy did it as well. Uh, Shibuya had himself a really tough game. He's going to have better nights than this going forward for sure. He's a very, very talented player. But he needed to be the best version of himself in this game. And, and Cal and the, and the Wildcats really game planned for him to just come in and absolutely dominate from the, from the shoots. And it didn't happen. And that's part of the reason Gonzaga ended up walking away with the victory. Uh, next up was the kind of Hunter Salas, Nolan Hickman conversation where we're going to see more of Salas potentially playing the point guard position as a way to get his defense on the floor. Yes and no. Neither of these guys had tremendously impactful games uh, in terms of box score. I thought both played well. And I think for Nolan Hickman, that's kind of the bigger stories because Nolan Hickman didn't play all that well against Texas and was coming in off of an injury and kind of some consternation, some fear among the Gonzaga fan base of like, is this guy going to be the dude? And don't get me wrong, there's still some work to do. There's still some work to do for Nolan Hickman. He had two turnovers in this game and also two assists. He picked up four fouls. The last one was a bit dubious, but your point guard can't be getting in foul trouble. That's going to be an issue. He also only had four points in this game. Again, I don't think that Nolan Hickman not scoring is necessarily a big issue. I mean, Gonzaga put up 88 points against Kentucky. Clearly, the offense wasn't a big problem for the Zags. You want more scoring from Nolan Hickman. I don't think him having four is necessarily a problem, but four points with a equal assist to turnover ratio and also four fouls. Yeah, that's not quite going to get it done. This is a good team for Nolan Hickman. Cason Wallace is one of the best defensive guards literally in the entire country. He's a true freshman and elite defensive player so that's that's an important caveat when talking about Hickman's game he's gone up against some really good defensive guards early in the season uh, but there's still some work to do there Hunter Salas four points three boards uh, a couple really nice possessions he took a charge he got a steal 
yeah, he had a couple backdoor cuts that led to easy buckets. He had one backdoor cut where he was wide open. Drew Timmy made an incredible pass. He missed the lay-in. Anton Watson cleaned it up with a dunk, but it was still a phenomenal play from Hunter Salas. Uh, what we ended up seeing for, for large chunks of the second half was the Zags just didn't have a point guard at all. Literally, Drew Timmy brought the ball across half court and just got into a post position and started backing his guy down from like the three-point line. They did this a couple times with Anton Watson as well. The Zags are, are acknowledging that their point guard play is not what it was with Andrew Nemhard or Jalen Suggs or you know going forward. And while Hickman will probably be the player that Gonzaga needs him to be by the time the season rolls around, or at least the conference season rolls around. He's not quite that guy right now. And Gonzaga can get away with letting Drew Timmy and Anton Watson bring the ball up the court. That's not going to last forever, but the fact that they were able to do it multiple possessions in a row against Kentucky, pretty darn cool that they can pull that off. Next takeaway I had from this game was needing more out of the transfers. And quite frankly, this just did not happen. I think if you want to point to, if you are somebody who, who likes to look at the negatives out of a basketball game, uh, good luck with this one. There's mostly positives coming out of this one, but certainly uh, an area of concern for Gonzaga right now is that two players they brought to this roster with the intention of them giving them significant contributions immediately. We haven't seen them yet. And that's, of course, the two transfers, Malachi Smith and Efton Reed. Malachi Smith came into the game, immediately got a bucket. First thing he did was score two points. He didn't score again. That was it. Just two points from Malachi Smith. Uh, off the top of my head, I'm not sure if he even played at all in the second half. If he did, it was very little that he played in the second half. So that's another thing to monitor is it seems like he kind of is getting squeezed out of the rotation. Certainly Gonzaga has been known to play a, a tight seven or sometimes a six-man rotation uh, late in close games. Mark Few is not afraid to do that. Uh, it looked like Malachi Smith got fairly squeezed out of the rotation in the second half. And, and Efton Reed entirely removed from the, from the rotation in the second half. He did not play in the second half. He played very little in this game overall. And frankly, the minutes that we did get out of him, he didn't look great. He didn't have a very good game. He, he's turning the ball over a lot. He, had a, he shuffled and kind of fell over. He's he took a, a, a ugly three point shot that he was open, but it was not a good shot. And he did not hit anything on that three. He got pulled for Ben Gregg after that. Greg played a few minutes in the end of the first half and then neither Greg or Reed played in the second half at all. So I, I think Efton Reed is out of the rotation right now. I think we might have just seen uh, the possible passing of the guard where Ben Gregg may have clipped. Efton Reed in the rotation. It's also possible that Hunter Salas has now clipped Malachi Smith in the rotation. Uh, and Gonzaga's effective rotation is the five starters we saw from this game, Hunter Salas uh, and um, Ben Gregg, potentially being this, the seven-man rotation for the Zags at this point. We'll see if that sticks. I think we will still see some of Reed. Uh, I think we will certainly see some of Smith. I don't think those guys are not going to play at all. But I think that it's possible that that they are not going to be if they're not getting it done, they're not getting it done. And Mark Few is not is is willing to play other guys over them if he thinks that's what's best for the team right now. And then finally, the final takeaway from this game, the thing that very clearly did not happen despite Gonzaga getting a victory, which was taking better care of the basketball. The Zags have a significant turnover issue. That is not gone. In fact, it is just as prevalent as it was before. In two games now against three games, really, although I kind of toss out the Michigan State game because of you know, every, everything that comes with the Michigan State game and the, the environment there. But against, against Texas, against Kentucky, Gonzaga's turned the ball over a bunch, a bunch, a bunch, way too much. 18 turnovers in this game, 20 turnovers against Texas. You can't average 19 turnovers per game. You just, you cannot do it. And I mentioned this on Twitter, and I want to mention it here. The broadcast and, and most people conflate 
guard play and turnovers as the same thing. Gonzaga, most of Gonzaga's turnovers come from their bigs. This is an important detail to acknowledge here. At, at, for, at one point, this changed. At one point, while the broadcast was talking about, well, like you'd like to see the Gonzaga's guards not turn the ball over as much. The combo of Rasir Bolton, Nolan Hickman, Hunter Salas, Malachi Smith, all four of those players were combined, had two of Gonzaga's 15 turnovers. Julian Strother had five. Drew Timmy had four. Efton Reed had, I think, two, maybe three. Uh, Anton Watson had three, I believe. Gonzaga's not having – it's not like Nolan Hickman's coming down the court and constantly turning the ball over. He's got some turnover issues he's got to work on. So do, you know, most every player on Gonzaga's team. But it seems to be that, like, Gonzaga's young guards are being confused for the people who are constantly turning the ball over. That's not what's happening. That's not what's happening. Now, Gonzaga is needing more – the ball to be in the hands of Efton Reed and Drew Timmy and Anton Watson more because their guards struggle. And so they are turning the ball over more in part because they have the ball more in part because of Gonzaga's struggling guard. So it's not like they're not entirely connected, but I do think that it is something that Gonzaga needs to address with more than just making Nolan Hickman sharpen up his ball handling skills. That's not what's causing Gonzaga to have turnover issues. There is a, it's a much wider scope of an issue than that. Gonzaga has solved it in a pinch by just giving Drew Timmy the ball immediately and letting him go to work. Uh, That's not going to work for the entire season. They're going to need to figure out other ways to be creative with their offense and avoid carelessly turning the basketball over because they're not going to win every game where they turn the ball over 19 times. I can promise you that. Now we're going to come back in the third and final segment. We're discussing the Lady Zags. The Lady Zags secured a huge win over Louisville before falling to Marquette. Now they play Tennessee, number 11 ranked Lady Volunteers on the 21st. We're going to talk all about that game. But first, our partners at Nissan have worked with us to create a new segment across the Lockdown College Network titled Thrilling Moments, where we highlight the most exciting play from the Zags' latest game or throughout the team's history. There are plenty to choose from from the Spokane Arena on Sunday. Anton Watson getting a handoff, turning, driving to the cup, and flushing it on Oscar Shibway. That's the one we're picking. That sent the crowd into an absolute frenzy. It set the tone for an incredible performance from Mark Few's squad. The segment has been inspired by the thrilling new designs featured across Nissan's new lineup of vehicles. Pursue what thrills you in the all-new Frontier, Armada, or Pathfinder today. Available now at NissanUSA.com. All right, we talked at length Gonzaga and Kentucky, but that game is an instant classic. And I can promise you we will talk about it much, much more as the week goes on and we head towards Feast Week and the start of the PK-85 where the Zags are going to play Portland State and hopefully two other very, very elite programs uh, in that tournament. But of course, now I want to focus on Gonzaga's women's basketball program. Lisa Fortier's team went to the Bahamas, got themselves a nice little pre-Thanksgiving vacation in the sunshine, also got an opportunity to play the number six ranked team in the entire country, the Louisville Cardinal. All they did was take them to overtime and then beat the tar out of them once they got to overtime. 18-6 to six in the overtime period was the score for the Zags. They end up winning 79-67, to 67, taking down the number six ranked Louisville Cardinals. Eliza Hollingsworth had a monster game for the Zags, 18.6 rebounds. And then Brenna Maxwell, former guest of the Locked On Zags podcast, she came on a few months ago, transfer from the University of Utah, three-year Double-digit score for the Utes out of Gig Harbor, Washington. Joined the Zags. We knew she was going to be a big-time player for them. 
All she does in the first game against Louisville here, 21 points in 20 minutes off the bench. Came off the bench, played 20 minutes, dropped 21 points, four of seven from deep, seven for eight from the free throw line. A critical monster performance for Maxwell to lead the Zags to a borderline top five victory uh, in the Bahamas. They end up playing the next game against Marquette, an unranked opponent out of the Big East. Unfortunately, the Golden Eagles did secure the victory there over the Zags, 70-66 to in that one. Uh, the Lady Zags have some similar issues to the men's team, unfortunately. Uh, they had some really nice performances offensively, scored the ball really well against Marquette. But guess what? They had 16 turnovers. That's that's what's going to do it. 16 turnovers will get you down. They again 70 to 66 in that one. Maxwell had another fantastic game for the Zags, 18 points, 5 boards and 5 steals in that one. So Brenna Maxwell's playing some great ball. The Zags move are going to likely move into the ranked conversation even after losing to Marquette because they were close to being ranked and when you beat a top 6 team even after being unranked, it's usually you're going to climb in there even after losing to Marquette. But we'll find out a lot more about this team probably the day you're listening to this. If you were listening to this on Monday, the Zags are playing the Lady Volunteers, Tennessee. That's who they play on Monday evening. Tennessee is led by Rakia Jackson. She is incredible. 19.7.3 rebounds per game for her. Really nice opportunity for the women's team to pick up a second straight win over a top 11 ranked team, top 15 ranked team. Uh, this team is cruising right now. Lisa Fortier has got this team in a really good spot. Uh, you, you don't like to see the loss to Marquette, but ultimately uh, this this weekend went really, really well for them already. And if they play well and competitively against Tennessee, ideally they win. But even if they just play a darn good game of basketball, that's going to help them significantly as they come back from that trip and get ready for the start of conference play. They also got themselves a matchup against Stanford. Pretty darn good women's basketball team there in the Stanford Cardinal. They're going to play them in about a week or so, or a little over a week. So really great opportunities for the women's program to continue to pick up marquee victories as they look to repeat as champions in the WCC heading into next season. All right, that is going to do it for me today. Mailbag Monday is going to be a day late. We are planning to do that on Tuesday. So if you are listening to this and it is not yet Tuesday and you have a question or a thought or a take or whatever that you want to fire my way, reach out to me on Twitter at CBB or send me an email, andypatton013 at gmail.com. I'll try to get those questions answered for you for a late mailbag segment coming your way on Tuesday. Also check out the new podcast, Locked on College Basketball. It is a national five-day-a-week show all about this wonderful, beautiful sport that we all love, co-hosted by myself as well as Isaac Shade, the host of the Lock on Tar Heels podcast. That is available wherever you get podcasts. It is also available on YouTube. Go hit that subscribe button if you haven't done so yet. Finally, I want to thank all of you who made Locked on Zags your first listen of the day. For your next listen, check out the Locked on Sports Today podcast, the biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day, available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get podcasts. All right, thank you all for listening, and go Zags.